Hello, welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start It Up podcast, Crucial Conversations. As always, I've got Jamal with me. Jamal, how you doing? I'm doing good today, my brother. I am excited because we've been talking for a while of, um, hey, we need to have some guests on because we always seem to pull an energy when we do that. And you had found just the guy. You woke me up this morning and said, I've got him. I, I, I've got him. I've got our guest. And so uh, I, I didn't... Um, do a lot of research. So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm anxious to meet him myself, but if you're this excited, I'm excited. So why don't you uh, introduce who we got with us today? So we got, so we got Matthew Woods with us today. He is the director of student support services, K-12 in Virginia. How are we doing today, Matt? I'm great. I'm great, fellas. How are y'all doing? I oh, mean, we are fantastic. Uh, we, we are ready Good. to jump right into it. So tell, tell, tell our audience a little bit about yourself. Gotcha. Well, like I said, thank y'all for having me. Um, like you had said, uh, my name is Matt Woods. I'm currently the director of uh, Student Support Services in uh, Southwest Virginia. Um, currently, or like I said, excuse me, just a little bit about my background. I've been a uh, high school social studies teacher. I've also been um, an adjunct professor at the collegiate level. I've worked with student teachers at that level as well. Um, I've also been a uh, middle school assistant principal, I'm a high school assistant principal, and then also a uh, middle school head principal before I um, transitioned into the, the current role that I have now. Right. So just, just so everyone knows, the thing that inspires me most about Matt is we are about the same age. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt is one year older than I am. I'm not going to tell his age. Um, I've said my age on here before, but if, if you're new, you're listening, you don't know how old I am. Um, Matt is about the same age. And, and the thing that I, I think is, is special about him, he's going to uh, break down to us one of his one of his concepts that I believe has helped him propel um, to the heights that he's propelled in such a short amount of time. And I think anybody can get with this concept. So go ahead and introduce that concept to us, Matt. I appreciate it. Well, um, like Jamal said, the, the concept that he's referring to is something that I just call the uh, sandbox mentality. Um, it's an idea that I've been playing around with probably for about several years. And I try to take, um, I shouldn't say take, excuse me, I try to borrow ideas from, from great mentors and, and other folks in the profession and outside the profession that I come across because I think, you know, we're always on this continuous journey of professional development. And we're all always on this continuous journey to just learn and, and grow in our craft. So all of these things kind of manifested to uh, what I consider this sandbox mentality. And it was actually a weird, weird story. So it started when my wife and I just purchased uh, the house that we have now. And um, in the backyard, there's there's a play set from the previous family that they had left. And there was just this um, old, you know, beat up little sandbox. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, we're, we're out there and, and for the audience out there, you know, I have like a 18 month old. So, you know, at the time, uh, Hilton was only, you know, several months. So, you know, I was like, I'll, you know, let's kind of clean it up, get it ready for the following year. And this was right around the time I was transitioning into my role of being a, uh, a head uh, building principal. So there was, I had a lot of different things going on, you know, obviously the sun, new, new position, new role, new responsibilities. 
And I just remember the, this sandbox out there. I, I don't know what it was about, man. I was just fascinated by this dirty old beat up sandbox. Mm-hmm. And I remember I sketched it out on my um, tablet. And I think at the time I was just writing a bunch of different ideas like, OK, you know, what do I need to do? you know, to generate the buy-in, you know, with my staff, meet people, you know, do all the logistics stuff. Mm-hmm. But I remember I just always had this, this backdrop of this sandbox on there. And what slowly started to happen is that as I was fleshing out ideas, I was almost writing them within this box, within this structure. So the four principles that kind of stemmed from that just random, uh, being outside of my wife, looking at this dirty old sandbox, what stemmed out of that were these four principles that really have helped kind of guide me, I would say, to where I'm at now and really kind of help me guide um, others as I make and help them make different decisions. Mm-hmm. And the first one is um, like boundaries. Boundaries should be built off of the why. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day or at the beginning, excuse me, everybody should know what is the purpose behind what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, behind what you're doing and a lot of times when that clear communication Mm. is there folks start to unravel and unpack Mm -hmm. different situations and really kind of think through how we've gotten to where we're at now right and how we can go further Mm -hmm. right um the second principle autonomy must show alignment to a core belief um I'm very big on folks being their true authentic selves and being able to have that ownership of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. However, at the end of the day, we all have to fall in line to certain beliefs and certain goals. And, And I think sometimes folks, especially in our field in education, they have a hard time, um, um, Uh, understanding that or maybe Mm -hmm. embracing it sometimes you know just because there are some core beliefs doesn't mean they go against certain individual things that I'm doing Um, right a good a a good example of that is when you think about when you're in a school and you have a school improvement plan Mm -hmm. but then you know I think some of us you know been teachers are like ah that doesn't really relate to what I'm doing Mm -hmm. you know I'm I'm teaching social studies Those, those math targets have nothing to do with what I'm focused on but I would actually argue the opposite. If, if everyone is buying in to those beliefs and to mm-hmm. those goals, the whole school will grow. The whole culture mm-hmm. will grow. You know, right. Then the kids won't say, oh, you know, Mr. Woods, man, it sucks. I'm about to go down the hallway to math class and I hate it. You know, there'll yeah. be that camaraderie there that everybody can buy into. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so then to go into the third one. Mm-hmm. Reflection must be embodied in your practices. Um, I'm a firm believer in you have to constantly reflect. You have to constantly think through things that you're doing and you have to always want to push for more. There's always something out there that you can still grow and become better at. Um, Mm -hmm. In our profession with kids, you know, I rarely if ever have seen someone say like, I'm always getting a hundred percent with all my kids, you know, like there's, there's always something, a caveat you need to think through so you can grow, but then also help your different learners grow. And then the fourth one, um, be proactive before you have to be reactive. Um, Just because you're meeting a certain standard and you're 
proficient, well, you've got to stretch yourself. You've got to stretch your kids. You've got to really push the envelope um, as, a, as a teacher, as an administrator. Okay, you're, you're already, you know, you kind of have found, you know, that, that common theme and, and you've got it rocking and rolling. Well, what can you do to take it up a notch? Um, what can you do to push the envelope so that you're growing, but then everywhere around you is growing for that capacity? So those are just the four principles that I just wanted to throw out there when I'm talking about this sandbox mentality. And then as we keep going through the conversation, we can dive more into it. Yeah, I really, what resonated me with was reflection. Um, I've always kind of built in systems along the way. Uh, most recently, um, every two weeks, I do a three, two, one video and I just record it for myself. I get out my phone, get out the YouTube mm -hmm. app and just talk to myself. Three things that I did this well this week or this last two weeks, two things that I just flat out didn't do well at and then one piece of advice. And that one piece of advice could be for my future self in a year, 10 years or for next week. Um, but I've liked it because I've got a journal of my life for the last couple of years. And, um, I, I think of that. And I also think of, and I, as, as you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get that out. My first year of teaching was 1997. So floppy disks were still a thing, <laughs> but I journaled, <laughs> yeah, laugh, laugh, laugh. Uh, but like I journaled at least every other day and, I think that I speak for almost every teacher out there. The fact that we kept our jobs after that first year. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many things did we do wrong? And, uh, but, you know, I, I'm going to hang on to that. Actually, I need to find a computer where I can do a printout of it. But it was so important to me that I, A, just jot down some of these lessons I was learning. And B, just, just for the memories alone, it's so great to reflect but yeah, I, I looked back on that a couple of years and I'd get it out and I'd kind of laugh and go, wouldn't do that again. I should double down on that. And just that, like you were saying, that power of reflection really helps you as a teacher. Definitely. Right. And, and I want to say too, on, on that, that piece for that reflection too, to, to flesh out more where I was going with it, with those four things is, and to bring it full circle. So then if we kind of go in a time machine for a lot of us a couple months ago and go back to around March, right as COVID <laughs> was really, you know, the onset where everything was happening. Um, and here in Virginia, you know, pretty much the governor came out and, you know, like March 13th, everybody remembers you just kind of shut everything down, like all schools. Mm -hmm. So I remember I was really grappling and trying to think through how do we kind of, how do we now kind of continue to do what we're doing in the unknown, right? And I mean, you know, if we think about it, before COVID, all of us, there's still different things or resources that we could kind of go to, to kind of help us think through stuff, right? Um, Don, kind of like what you were saying, you know, even as you were reflecting, you had the floppy disk, um, you, there, there were still things that you could still kind of, you know, reach out there for different resources to kind of think through things that you were grappling with. Well, you know, with COVID, th there wasn't anything like no one had experienced anything like that. So as I was dealing with that, I kept going back to this sandbox, right? And I um, ran into a book. And of course, the 
it slips my mind now that we're doing this, but yeah. it talked about this idea of how video games are like built and the, the sandbox mentality. So for folks out there who are big into video game developers and so forth, they're very familiar with this idea of you pretty much create this virtual environment where it has certain boundaries that govern it, but then you can pretty much do whatever you want to inside of it. So mm -hmm. an example for the for listeners out there is like Minecraft. Mm -hmm. All right, if you think about Minecraft, Minecraft really doesn't have any big or set complex objectives. You just build stuff, destroy stuff, you roam around, I think you fight different characters. Um, you know, it's just like this big 3D environment. Mm -hmm. But the crazy part about it is there's really no specific objective. Like you, you just free roam, you just create, you destroy, you run around, you meet other characters in there and, and so forth. But it's just complete creativity. And within that creativity, it goes back to, I could free roam, I could build, I could destroy, I could do whatever I want to. So to me, I then kind of thought, okay, how can I help my teachers and, and other educators kind of do the same thing? Because if you think of COVID or our current mm -hmm. situation, so we have to still educate kids. But now we're kind of within this box where we know what the, the parameters are, you know, and that's kind of referring to some of the safety concerns, you know, of hybrid, virtual, so forth. But within that, we still have to kind of figure out how we always do or how we still do what we've always done within a different environment. So it still took me back to that sandbox and still took me back to a lot of those principles, like how can we still deliver and promote autonomy while still adhering to some of those beliefs? How can we still have folks like Don was saying, how can we still encourage them to be creative, to reflect, and then think through and unravel how they can still constantly grow? And as they're learning things, as we're all learning things, excuse me, in this new environment, the things that are working, we still take with us as things start to get better. Right. And, you know, you know, Matt, as you were, as you were talking about, I, I, I'm reflecting on a conversation that I had with a, a few teachers this week. And, um, you know, thank God for this upcoming break. We have this week off here in Florida. I don't know how y'all get down in Virginia, but we have this <laughs> week off. <laughs> um, but the, the interesting thing is with, with this sandbox mentality, how do you how how do administrators or school leaders then approach teachers who feel defeated, um, who, who who feel defeated and don't really want to grow or reflect or be proactive? They they really want to be left alone. So how do you how do you reengage them with the sandbox mentality? Gotcha. Great question. I think you, as you were saying that, you take it back to one of the <clears throat> principles you you didn't mention, and that's the why. Mm -hmm. Like, like, do they understand the why? Do you understand why you need to continue to grow? Um, I, I think right now, which is kind of really, really unique for a lot of us who, who've been in this long enough and have kind of seen a lot of different things, I haven't heard really anybody I've come in contact with really kind of question the why right now. You know what I'm saying? You know, like 
when we were, you know, when the buzzword was differentiation, a lot of people, oh, why are we, why are we doing this? Ah, uh, we kind of already do this. You know, when we talked about different assessments, a lot of folks were questioning that. Well, now, because of the situation that we're in, everybody is really trying to scramble to kind mm-hmm. of figure out, A, will this kind of be the new norm? Mm-hmm. B, if it isn't the new norm and we go back to, quote unquote, our old norm, Mm-hmm. Are we still going to take some of these things with us? So the the why right now is how do we figure out and navigate these uncharted territories? Um, so, so go ahead. No, no, I was I was just going to say like so that right there talking to someone if you had a a teacher or an administrator or, or a colleague someone like that you really have to bring them to the why like okay if if you don't see the purpose of why you need to be reflecting why you need to do these things well then that tells me you've got this situation figured out hmm. yeah and if they don't which like i said for the folks out there if someone does have the best way to deliver some of the things we're trying to do with kids mm-hmm. and so forth i would be glad i know they'll hopefully drop my email in this at the end of it i'll be glad to take any advice because i'm still trying to reflect and learn through these things right now but I think when you get someone to realize that, going back to that purpose mm-hmm. of that why, then all the other things that you were saying will start to come uh, fall in place. So then, so then, as as just just a transition. So once once we establish the the why during during this time, you know, and I feel like. Personally, for me, the why is has never changed, and that's to positively impact students. Um, you know, if, if if you catch me on the radio today at the, at the schoolhouse, I'm I'm yelling today is uh, happy opportunity number five to positively impact students, and we ain't gonna get one for about <clears throat> ten days here um, mm-hmm. to to get back at it again. But the how do we how do we keep how do we keep everyone mentally engaged? um after we after we've established a why like i understand why i'm doing what i'm doing that but i'm tired today i understand why i'm doing what i'm doing that but the 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 day is hitting me and i'm stressed out so what are some things that school leaders can do to overcome those things using this mentality well it's 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 to be flexible right Mm -hmm. you know you um thinking about a sandbox going you know Mm -hmm. using that so if, if you're playing in the sandbox, um, some might have tools that they're playing with. Mm-hmm. You know, I might be sitting over there just running my fingers through the sand. Mm-hmm. Don might be jumping in and out of the box, throwing mm-hmm. sand at somebody running by. So so everybody is really doing their own thing mm-hmm. within this, this same structure, right? So now think about that, how we, we talk about best practices for our kids. Mm-hmm. No educator says everything should just be cookie cutter. You know, Mm -hmm. no one says we should just give the same package or the same delivery to every kid. Mm -hmm. So based on like you're saying, as as an administrator, as a leader, why would I do the same thing for teachers? Why would I do the same thing for staff? Mm -hmm. You might have a bad day. You might be coming in and something personal happened to you before you got there which has Mm -hmm. nothing to do with school but you're just like hey was i'm just in a bad mood something's going on Mm -hmm. i should being a good leader i should try to accommodate that i should be like hey 
I hope everything's okay. You know, what can I do? It might be just a, a sidebar two minute conversation. It might mm-hmm. be saying, Hey, look, um, let me see if I can get somebody to cover your first period. And, you know, you just, you know, just step outside, get, catch a quick break, you know, like, you know, get yeah. your thoughts together. We'll get you back on track. I mean, I, I think sometimes we get lost in trying to overthink the mm-hmm. most simplest things. You know, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, we're all human. And like I said, the same practices that we would use with our students and that we encourage and that we know is right. It's that same mentality, really, mm-hmm. that we should have with our with our respective staff. Right. You know, a lot of times I see in these times the the why um, not for the school leader. Well, it can't be for school leader, too, but the, from the teacher's point um is it's it's that crisis of meaning you know mm-hmm. why do you teach what you teach sometimes people are like yeah i don't teach anymore i teach the test <laughs> uh, i'm burnt out with what i have to do and i don't have time to, to do the things i want to do so i you know i i i think that's where i have the most sympathy is that you know it's it's like it's nobody's fault and it's everybody's fault you know, like, yeah, what are you going to do? You know, my job depends on us doing well on the star test or I step test or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And it stinks. And, and it's and and there's a lot of like truth in it. Like I got to do this, like I'm told, but that why then suffers. And so it's especially during these times and I can't even imagine. So I've been out of the classroom now a year because I'm running this foundation, but like, I can't even imagine how hard it is right now to achieve that. Why um, when you're still up against a lot and you're not really seeing the kids as often and the enthusiasm, you have to dig deep for it. That's, that's something that I think that to, you know, leaders of schools, I think that's gotta be one of the hardest things to achieve right now. Is that why? Definitely. And I, and I would say, Don, as you were saying that I was thinking, because it kind of brought me back to, conversations that I have with with colleagues but then also when I've worked with you know like student teachers right and interns and even at that level you know right before you before you you become an actual teacher when you're still just interning when you're you know still learning the ropes it would amaze me the number of them that would say like well you know I've got to teach the test I've got to teach these standards right and I would always say okay you've got to teach or cover those standards but nobody never said you couldn't go above that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I would always kind of flip that question and say, okay, yeah, you're responsible for doing that. But did, did anyone say to you, you can't take it up a notch. Hmm. Right. And, and that I remember I, like, even now, like when I say that to folks, I always kind of get a blank stare, like a deer in the headlights. They're like, uh-huh. well, no, no one ever said that. I'm like, okay. So, like thinking about the sandbox mentality, like I said, that principle of being proactive before you mm-hmm. have to be reactive, be right. proactive. How can I take it the next level? Like, should someone, for example, have to tell you, you need to be relevant to your kids for that understanding to occur? Hmm. That That's no. always one I've always struggled with. Like, should someone tell me that my instruction needs to be relevant for my kids to understand. Hmm. And, you know, and, and as you, as you ask that question, I think, I think it, that's the same 
from administrator to, to teacher, to teacher, to student, student to parent, like all those things. I think in, in, our, in our quest to be proactive, I feel like as a school system, what's about to happen is we are about to, you know, I say die of a broken heart. And if you've ever read Good to Great, um, the, mm-hmm. Scott, the, the Scottsdale paradox where he talks about, you know, the prisoners of war, they, they simply died because of a broken heart because they had anticipated an end to their struggles given a season. And as we approach this new season of, of school, there's this feeling in the air like we're going to go back to normal come January 1. 2020 is over. We're in 2021. There's even memes out there, people catching rides to 2021 because it's so done with 2020 <laughs> <laughs> right I'm, I'm, I'm yeah pull up I'm gonna I'm meet you there yeah but but like I think I think that we're in a situation in which like we might not be taking advantage of every opportunity and, and I really want to hear your thoughts on just just as a school system um in, in our nation like what what are the proactive things that we should be doing um, so that way we don't we don't die simply of a broken heart like those prisoners of war because I feel like we're being held hostage a little bit by the coronavirus in our school systems. Okay, well I'll take it to um, and and I just and I know I keep taking it back, but I just want to see y'all to see how these four principles really kind of shape mm-hmm. my mindset mm-hmm. and how I think through things. So like what you said, taking it back to that second one, autonomy showing alignment to a core belief, right? Mm-hmm. So. What exactly are our core beliefs, right? You know, that, that's one thing that I've really reflected on and that I've encouraged other educators to think about. Like, so what exactly is the main objective? Like, and what I mean by that, let, let's use a dicey one right now that, that, that everybody's trying to grapple with is like student attendance, right? <laughs> and, I, and I'll go ahead and throw it out there. That's yep. one of the things that, that falls under my umbrella. So, <laughs> so for listeners out there, if you have figured out attendance in this crazy environment, please send any, any tidbits to me. I'd love to hear them. But, but one thing, though, that when I talk to my counterparts, you know, in other places, other districts all across the country, the one thing they've been saying is, hey, you know, we really now got to think through attendance and f- figure out what exactly is the main objective for a kid checking in with us? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just throw a scenario out there, right? Mm-hmm. I've got two students, right? Mm-hmm. Student A, he might check in with me once a week, maybe once every two weeks. Mm-hmm. He's, he's doing all of his assignments, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say he's got like a B plus, A minus, mm-hmm. right? Student B over here, he checks into my my, my Zoom meetings or, or, you know, whatever platform you're using every day. Mm-hmm. He's always there. Um, he does virtually nothing for you. Yeah. He, he might have a D, D minus, but <laughs> yeah. approaching, that, approaching that F, very, you know, it's coming around, uh, report card's about to come out next semester, and he, he's right there on the border. My question to you would be, which student would you would you honor in that presence? Now, you, when I'm and when I mean by honoring, like which one would you say this is the model student right now? Mm-hmm. 
you, 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 of course, you're your A and B student, the, the student that's actually doing the work, because but, that's the intended goal of school to cause children to learn. But all right. But see, but what I would say, you, Jamal, is, but I thought one of our main principles that kids have to be physically with us every day. And, and that is the concept of school. So what's the proactive step? Exactly. And that, that's what see where I'm going. That's one of the things that I've really grappled with. And, and mm-hmm. I've heard other folks do the same thing. You know, it's really starting to think through, hey, like, would I be more concerned about a kid coming, like you're saying, physically or checking in with me mm-hmm. frequently if they were doing nothing? However, if they're doing something, I might not be having that direct contact like old school every day. They come to my second period. You know what I'm saying? Like when we're on a traditional schedule, you, you have to kind of think through what in th- in that case, what is the main goal? What mm-hmm. is the main priority? What is that main belief that we need to stand by? So I think to going back to your initial question, I think those are the conversations that are really going to stem out of this. Mm-hmm. And that we're really going to go into a new paradigm of what we say school stands for and what mm-hmm. are those clear beliefs and expectations. Because, you know, one of the examples um, is that I think a lot of folks miss is that not everybody is struggling right now. Right. right. You know, um, th- there are obviously health ramifications. People are struggling you know, um, some folks have lost loved ones to this terrible pandemic. You know, uh-huh. folks have lost jobs financially. You know, we get that. But but you've got a caveat over here of folks uh-huh. who who aren't struggling. Uh-huh. Um, let's throw a financial one out there. Jeff Bezos, Amazon. Yeah. yeah. That joke is like quadrupled his wealth right now. Yeah. I wouldn't see him or expect him to get on the news and say financially, I'm struggling right now. Uh-huh. Um, because his business is actually compared to everybody making hand over fist more money than anybody. Right. Right. Um, You've got kids right now Mm -hmm. who maybe social, emotional uh, concerns being at school every day. Right. They're recognizing, Hey, in my, if I have a safe space and I can log on and I can still have the interaction with my teacher and I can still do my work and I am being successful when things get better, why would I want to, put myself in a situation where I've already shown that I can be successful in this format. Right. Right. And so, have- so what do we do then? Do we, how, do we still honor those kids do, do, or do we force them back into the, the, the mode of traditional school or do we mm-hmm. try to make a hybrid mix of the great things that we learned or that we're taking away now in with the great things that we did previously? Well, Matt, you know, normally I, I'll say, you know, school leaders and district leaders, um, I'm speaking to a district leader and I'm always going to say, you know, to the district leaders that are listening, I think I think what you said spoke to the depth of a situation that's personal to me. My daughter is an e-learner and she's thriving. She made a lava lamp today. And when I got home, she redid the experiment uh, right in front of me. Like she's only in kindergarten. She's thriving. Um, she's on level. And everything, you know, um, and then she's above level in her science. She loves science. She wants to be a doctor one day. Um, I couldn't imagine a world without her e-learning right now because 
of you know the support that she gets from my wife and she's at home i know she's safe and i know my five-year-old is not going to make those um <clears throat> decisions i say that to say you know leading a district i think we would be out of our minds not to continue e-learning and i feel like the emails are going to come now like the the e-learning is such a great opportunity for us i think it's being proactive and mastering uh, the art of, like you said, re redefining what we think school is and the purpose behind it and what that actually looks like on the e-learning platform. Yeah, because because you're you're right on the money, Javal. I mean, like at the end of the day, and, and this sounds cliche, and I know some folks really don't like this phrase, you know, when it gets said aloud, but we really are in the business of teaching kids. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, educators, a lot of times don't like to say, hey, we're not we're not a business. Um, but but, you know, our customer is the kids. And, you know, and the caveat to that is their, their parents and mm -hmm. they feed into us as much as we feed into them. Right. It's a very right. symbiotic symbiotic relationship. You know what they're willing to give and put forth bleeds into then what we're able to do. And accommodate and so forth and you know and it, and it goes back and forth so like you're saying when the emails start coming when that that political pressure <laughs> starts coming i mean it, it's gonna cause something and i think for all of us out there not even just district administrators but building principals teachers so forth um school advocates you know whatever anybody who's involved in this this work helping kids we all really have to kind of think about okay wouldn't it be wise for us to be proactive and like you're saying, consider mm -hmm. these options and think about it before you're put in a position where then you're just trying to be reactive, you know, because whenever you're trying to be reactive, you're already behind the race. Right. And and just just with the with the thought of. I don't think that students or parents, you know, like you said, like we do serve our students and our parents and even, you know, it, it's more amplified in the private school setting, but in a um, public school setting, I think we forget sometimes that attendance and those basic things fuel our funding. And when you have this group of parents who are thriving, who are not going to want to send their kids back after this, how do we how do we manage that? And then the opportunity is like, you know, they our 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 state system or our national system may open it up to where like I can do e-learning in any state. Um, and then are we are we going to be prepared for those things, utilizing our sandbox mentality? Well, Matt, it has been about we hit we hit our threshold. Um, would you like to give us some some closing thoughts? Um, as we uh, yeah, and we, let everybody know like where they can find you and and uh, where we can find your podcast. Definitely, definitely. Well, I appreciate. It. Like I said, thank you again for having me on here um, to be able to talk to y'all. Um, I'm a huge fan of y'all's podcast as well. Um, it's one of my many that I keep streaming when I'm driving down the road. Um, but I would say, like I said, uh, for the listeners out there, if you want to reach out to me, uh, my personal email is uh, leading out the woods at gmail.com um, you can follow me on twitter at uh, wood from a woods and then uh, my podcast uh, leading out the woods um, it's available you know pretty much on any podcast platform you can think of we have uh, a diverse 
range of uh, national and uh, international speakers um, always coming on there to kind of do them like we're doing now, y'all, you know, reflect on best practices, um, talk through different ideas and just, you know, spread positivity and just try to help, you know, our fellow colleagues out um, all across the country. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we sincerely appreciate having you on. Jamal, great find. Thanks for inviting Matthew on. It's uh, I, I really, really enjoyed the parameters. I really like the sandbox mentality. It's uh, something I'm going to take away from me. And hopefully, audience found value with it as well. All right, Jamal, take us out. Well, this is Jamal Crook from Matthew and Don reminding you that opportunity is everywhere. Thanks.